Good morning. Wasn't that a beautiful song? He's just as real to me and just as real to you when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior as if he was sitting right next to you, right there in the seat. That's how real he is. And one day we're going to see him face to face. And then we're going to say like the Queen of Sheba of old, of Solomon, the half has not been told me because of how great he is, how wonderful he is, how loving he is. And we're thankful for a Savior like this. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. And a beautiful song Jenny sang. I hadn't had a chance to have her sing before my message for a while, but it's a blessing to always have that. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we're so thankful for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven. And he did your will. And he pleased you. And he went to that cross and suffered and bled and died for us. And now, through accepting Him as our Lord and Savior, we have eternal life, forgiveness of our sins, and a home reserved in heaven for us. Lord, we're so undeserving. We pray that You will now calm and quiet our hearts. We pray that the Holy Spirit will be able to penetrate our hearts and speak to us, convict us where it's needed, challenge us where it's needed, encourage us and comfort us where it's needed. And Lord, we pray that You will hide me behind the cross And we pray that your word would go out, your word, and touch lives and change lives today. We just thank you and praise you and ask that you'll direct this meeting by your spirit in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. You know, it really doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. And it really doesn't matter what others think about you. And it doesn't even matter what you think about yourself. What really counts is what does God think about you? That's what's really, really important today. We live in a politically correct society. Some call it PC, politically correct. Ada likes to rather call it, we need to be spiritually correct, which would be SC. That's much better. Because when you live in a politically correct world, you have to watch what you say. You have to watch what you do. You don't want to make any waves. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to... uh, cause anybody to feel bad. And so everybody is trying to be just like right in the middle. Don't offend anyone. Don't take any strong stand. Just go with the flow and fit in. Is that how we as Christians should be in this world? Absolutely not. We need more people today to stand up for Christ and to stand up for what we believe. And that's exactly what we need. Down through the centuries that have been a small remnant a godly remnant that have always stood up for the Lord. And in times of deep depravity and sin and wickedness, whether it's in the history of Israel or or even in the age after Christ ascended back to heaven, there have been times where it's been very bad. The Dark Ages, for example. But there's always been those who have been godly and have been seeking to do God's will. And that's what we want to do too. And the title of our message today is Aiming to Please God. Aiming to Please God. You know, if you're an archer and you go out and you have a target set up and you've got your bow and you've got your arrow and you set it up, where do you want to hit it? Do you want to hit it, shoot the arrow off to the right? No. Do you want to shoot it off to the left? No. Do you want it to hit the white? No. You want it to hit the bullseye. And the bullseye for us as Christians is to be pleasing to the Lord every day. 
pleasing to him. And that's our message today is to be pleasing to him. The Apostle Paul had that as a goal. And we're going to read it this morning from first, second Corinthians chapter five and verse nine. This was Paul's goal. And I believe it should be our goal as well. And here Paul writing to the Corinthians says this. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. Yes, you don't want to be off target. We want to be right on target. We want to hit the bullseye. We want to be pleasing to the Lord. That's what he wants us to do. Isn't he worthy of that? Jenny sang about how much the Lord loves us and how much we love him. And you don't want to displease the Lord. I know I don't want to displease him. And we've all done it, though, haven't we? And as soon as we said something or as soon as we did something, right away the Spirit of God convicted us and we felt horrible and we confessed it to the Lord and he restored us. But we feel like we let the Lord down. We feel like we displeased him. We don't want to do that. There's a beautiful portion in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, that speaks of one of my favorite characters in Scripture, and his name is Enoch. Enoch lived back, way back in the book of Genesis, back years ago. And he was a man who lived a very short life compared to all his contemporaries, people that were living 800, 900 years or more in their lives. And Enoch just lived 365 years. Now, many of us would think, boy, that would be a long time to live. Wouldn't that be a great long life? But in his day, that was a short life. But it wasn't the quantity of life that was important. It was the quality of the life he lived. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, these words, By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What a great testimony. How would you like to have a testimony like that, that your life pleased God? That's what we should have. It should be our desire. It should be our urgent desire to be pleasing to God. And what a great testimony he had. Today, we're just going to look at three simple things from the word of God, from the portions of the verses we're going to look at. Number one, we need to please the Lord, please God in what we think, in what we think. That's pretty convicting to me. Number two, we need to be pleasing to God in what we say. Pleasing God with what we say, that also can be very convicting. And third, we need to be pleasing to God in what we do. So in what we think, in what we say, and what we do, our prayer should be this. Lord, let my life be pleasing to you. That can be a prayer. That should be a prayer for us. Well, you know, if you you ask yourself, how do I change my life? It starts with our hearts. It starts with our minds. That's what the Lord does. He works on us from the inside out. The world works out the outside in. But praise be to God, we have to put in godly things in order to get godly things out. That old expression in the computer industry is garbage in, garbage out. And that's what happens. If you put garbage in your mind, the things of this world, what's going to happen is the things of this world are going to come out. 
But if you put into your heart, into your mind, the things of God and, and the word of God, the word of God will come out. So it's a choice we have to fill our minds with the things of this world or fill our minds with the things of God. The Apostle Paul put it in a very succinct way in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2 when he said, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this world. This world gets distracting. It gets overwhelming. It gets problematic. All kinds of things happen. Every day you get up, you check your phone, you check your, the news, you check the internet, everything, and you see all the bad things that are happening in this world. And we just thank the Lord that He has protected us. He's given us His life and, and joy, and we can face it because we have the Lord in our lives. And we should be seeking the things which are above. You know, if you try to please everyone, what's going to happen is you're going to end up pleasing no one. Can you imagine if you had a dream at night? This would be a terrible dream. You go to sleep at night and in your dream you wake up. I mean, you don't wake up, but you're dreaming. And in your dream, you're going around trying to please everybody. And you go to this person to please them. And you go to this person and please them. And this person and try to please them. And it's not working. Not working. And all of a sudden, the sweat is just coming down. and You're starting to feel like that panic attack type of thing. This is horrible. And then all of a sudden, the Lord is there and he says, just remember, please me. Don't try to please everybody. We can never please everybody. But when we please the Lord, he takes care of everything else with everybody else. And that's the real joy of it. One day when Samuel was going out to choose a new king to replace Saul, he went to the sons of Jesse and, and he met them all. And, and Jesse had this nice time fellowship their meal and they had a good time and Samuel started looking at all these sons and they were tall, dark and handsome sons. They were strong and well-built sons and he says, no, none of these. Don't you have another son? Well, I have this little son and he is David. He's a, you know, he's out taking care of the sheep. Bring him in. So he brings him in and he says, that's the one. This is the Lord's anointed. And so when he spoke, it says this, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his physical appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, the Lord's the only one that can see our hearts. Sometimes if we look inside our heart, we get pretty scared because there's some pretty bad stuff in there. The scripture says it very well. Our heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. That's the description of our hearts. Does it get any better when we're saved? No, we still have that old sinful nature. But He's saved us. He's given us eternal life. He's given us the Holy Spirit. But we still have to overcome that flesh and wrestle with it every day to have victory in our lives. And it starts with the mind and it starts with the heart. It's a battleground. The Satan is working 24-7. He knows if he can get our thoughts off the track that he can get us. He knows that. And so he's going to keep trying all the time. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Pretty amazing. But the Lord wants us to have pure thoughts. He wants us to have holy thoughts. And you say, that's pretty tough. 
Because it always seems like in our most holy moments, that's when the devil brings the worst thoughts to us. I don't know about you. Breaking a bread? He does it, right? When you're at home with your family, work or whatever, he can bring those bad thoughts and we have to ask the Lord to help us and cleanse us. And we say, well, Dean, how can you have better thoughts? How can you do it? How can you win a victory like that? Without Christ, it is impossible to have victory in the thought life. But there is victory because we have the Spirit of God and He's given us the Word of God and He's given us a recipe for having victory in our thoughts in Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, Paul is concluding this portion. We'll be getting to it in Philippians when we get there. And it says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good repute, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And when you think about this verse, you can put Christ in for each one of those things. And so when you meditate on Christ, you have the victory. Now, read it this way. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, Christ is true. Whatever things are noble, Christ is noble. Whatever things are just, Christ is just. Whatever things are pure, He's pure. Whatever things are lovely, Christ is lovely. Whatever things are of good repute, He's of good repute. If there's any virtue, if anything praiseworthy, He's that too. Meditate on these things. You know, meditation is a lost art today. People just don't do it. Meditation is really thinking about things all the way through. Thinking about how it relates to your life. Applying the Scripture to your life. Meditating on it day and night. And that's why we have to do it. And it all starts with having the right thoughts, the right motives, the right desires, and the right attitudes that we might have them pleasing to the Lord. That's the key. That's why we have to aim for the target. We have to aim for the target. When we get up in the morning, we're not going to automatically do that. We have to t- it takes effort to please the Lord. It takes effort to focus our minds on Him and focus it on His Word so that we can have encouragement and victory. Secondly, it's not only important to please God in what we think, but we have to please Him also in what we say. Now, this is another tough one because people listen to us, don't they? And so many times in life, you wish you could get something back. You said it, you wish you could get it back. It's like the quarterback that throws the pass and he's watching it go out of his hands and he knows it's going to be intercepted. Wouldn't Tom Brady love to have that pass back? Oh, if I could just have that pass back, I wouldn't have thrown it. And it was intercepted in the Super Bowl. And so, too, sometimes we say a word and we wish we could grab it before it gets out, but it can't. We can ask for forgiveness. We can say, please forgive me. I should have not said that and we need to do it. But you can't get it back. You can't get those words back. So it all starts from within, just like we said. And David said in Psalm 19 and verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You know, good words are encouraging. Good words build people up. They give us great comfort. On the other hand, bad words do the opposite. They tear down, they destroy. And so we want to make sure that our words are good words. There's a great scripture in Proverbs 25 and verse 11 that says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. 
Now, I've never seen that, but can you imagine if you had an apple of gold, how much that would be worth? And then you put it in a setting of silver, that would be pretty valuable. That's how valuable your words are. That's how valuable my words are. And sometimes we don't consider them as carefully as we are. We're talking, right? Talk, talk. And we're not realizing the impact that those words can have for good or for bad. Samuel Johnson once said, language is the dress of thought. So it starts with a thought and then it goes out with the words. And so it all connects together. If we're going to be pleasing to the Lord, we have to have the right thoughts and we have to have the right words. The question is this. Are my words pleasing to the Lord? Not just sometimes, but I mean all the time. Are my words pleasing to the Lord? And not only the words themselves, but the way you say them. Sometimes you can say something good, right? But if you say it in a bad way, you've ruined the whole thing. So we have to not only say the right thing, but we have to say it in the right way. And that's what the Lord wants us to do, to be pleasing to Him. Someone said this, words are mighty, words are living. Serpents with their venomous stings or bright angels crowding round us with heaven's light upon our wings. Every word has its own spirit, true or false, that never dies. Every word man's lips have uttered echoes in God's skies. Yes, those words. And that's why the Lord Jesus said, Every person is going to be responsible for their words in a coming day. And finally, not only is it important to have our thoughts under control and to have our words under control, but we also have to have our actions under control. It's important to do it. That's why it says in Psalm, in Proverbs 16, verse 7, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to to be at peace with him. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You figure, if you have somebody that hates you and they're your enemy, God can even turn it around so that they'll be at peace with you. Because if you are pleasing to the Lord, it's our actions, it's our behavior, it's our conduct that's really under scrutiny today. The Lord wants us to live for Him every day. Well, I thought of this prayer. This is, this is not the kind of prayer you, you really want to pray, but it's called the Hypocrite's Creed. And listen to it this way. This is the Hypocrite's Creed. Meaning, you say one thing, but you don't do it, right? You do something else. This Hypocrite's Prayer. I believe in prayer, but I don't pray. I believe in the Word, but I don't read it. I'm all for church, but I don't attend it. I believe in tithing, but I don't give 10%. I believe in witnessing, but I don't share the gospel. So we have to be very careful. We had it in the scripture memory class. We need to practice what we preach. And that's challenging too, because the Lord will always remind us, if you you say it, if you promote it, do it. Because in James chapter 1, he says that we should be doers of the word, not hearers only. Be doers. He wants us to be doers and he wants us to practice what we preach. And that's what we need to do. In First Thessalonians 4.1, the Apostle Paul was encouraging the Thessalonians and he said these words. He said, finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. How you ought to walk 
and pleased God. That's what Enoch did, too. He walked and pleased God. In Genesis 5.24, it says he walked with God. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says he pleased God. So those two things go together. When we walk with God and we please God, everything's in balance. Everything's in harmony. Everything's right between us and the Lord. And that's what he wants us to do. When the Lord Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he came down heavy on them. And one of the reasons he came down heavy on them was because they went about trying to seek the approval of man. They sought to please themselves, seek to please their own people. And the Lord Jesus told them in John 5:44, "How do you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from God?" He wants us to seek the honor that comes from him. He doesn't want us to just be a talker. He wants us to be a doer. Someone said, do all that you can by all the means that you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places that you can. And that's what it means to be a doer. To do his will is to please him. And that's what he wants us to do. So as we conclude this message this morning, let's remember this. It's got to be our aim. It's got to be our goal to please Him. It's not just going to happen. We're not just going to wake up and be able to please Him. We have to do it. We have to have the right thoughts, the right words, and the right actions. Second, we have to remember that it starts from inside. It starts from the heart. It starts from the mind with the right thoughts, the right attitudes, motives, and desires. If we want to be a blessing, and then we have to have the right words. And not only the right words, as we said, but to speak them in the right way as to encourage and uplift others. And third, we need to have the right actions, that our ways will be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ in everything we do. It's a challenge. It's really a challenge. And you might say, well, Dean, you don't know the people I work with. These people, you don't know what I have to deal with here. Or you say, well, you don't know my family. You don't know my relatives. You don't know what I have to deal with here. They come over at Christmas. They come over at Easter. They come over at the 4th of July. And I don't look forward to it. They're hard people to deal with. You don't know my neighbor. This neighbor is loud and he's obnoxious and he turns that music up real loud. We have to deal with people in an imperfect, sinful world. And the way we do it shows a lot to people. Because when our ways are pleasing to the Lord, we'd like to tell them what we think. We'd like to just tell them off. We would like to just give them a piece of our mind. We would just like to really come at them. We can't do it. If we're going to please the Lord, we have to humble ourselves, duck under them, and, and do it. And that's not easy to do. That's why it takes the Spirit of God. It takes a humbleness to realize that in our flesh, we just want to lash out. We've got to let the Spirit of God control us so that we don't do that. There's a song that was written many years ago, back in the 1970s. And I know in this audience, we have many people that weren't even born in the 1970s. So, you, I, I, I mean, if you don't know the name of this group, they're called the Maranatha Singers. Maranatha Singers is a great uh, musical group. And we've been singing some of their songs on Wednesday night. And it's so beautiful. They have the tunes, a beautiful praise and worship tunes that go with the words. Well, I'm going to share some of these words because... They, they go right along with what we've been talking about. The verse says this, Lord, I want to live my life to please you. I bring my heart before you to remold. 
Make of me a vessel fit for honor that I might shine for you as sparkling gold. To be pleasing you. Pleasing you. This is all I really want to do. To be pleasing you. Pleasing you. This is all I really want to do. The second verse says, Lord, I lift my heart in full surrender. All that I hold dear, I give to you. Purify my heart and make me holy so I might walk the way that's pleasing you. In the chorus again, it says to be pleasing you. Pleasing you. This is all I really want to do. To be pleasing you. Pleasing you. This is all I really want to do. And you know, you can't please God. It said right there in that verse we read this morning, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you, it is impossible to please God. You can live as good as you can, do as best as you can, try to be as moral and religious as you can, but unless you're saved, you won't get to heaven. Unless you're saved, you can't please God. He says it right there. It's impossible. So if you haven't received Jesus Christ, today is the day to receive Him. Then you can start pleasing Him. And if you know the Lord as your Savior, renew that desire. Aim high to please Him every day in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. It's tough. It's challenging. We work out there in very difficult circumstances. Sometimes major trouble happens in our life. How are we going to handle it? It's going to come. How are we going to react to it? How are we going to do it? It's important to be pleasing to the Lord. Shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank You and praise You this morning for the opportunity to read Your Word and meditate on it this morning. We pray that You'll help us to take home this Word, Lord. Help us to have this desire to be pleasing to You. In every thought that we think, every motive that we have, every desire, every goal, every dream in our lives, may they be subject to You, Lord, and to Your will. And may we please You, Lord, by what we do. May we be pleasing to You in what we say. Help us to be a blessing. And Lord, for those times where we blow it, help us to confess it to You, ask for forgiveness, and make it right with anyone who we came into contact with. And so, Lord, we just pray that You will help us today to be pleasing in Your sight. This is our hope. This is our goal to hit that target, Lord, to be pleasing to You. And we just pray that You will help us to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.